So over the last couple of days, I've had a lot of hassle from a lot of people. Okay. Right. First off, I get like a mess- one person, right? No, no, three. <laughs> uh, three. What first? I get somebody on Twitter contacts me and goes, "You've got to see this and do something about it." Okay. And it was the friendly Geordie's arrest. Yeah. Christo being arrested, and I went, "Gee, that's pretty bad." And then I had a mate ring me and go, "Have you seen this thing about friendly Geordies? You've you, you got to do something about it." To which why? I'm like going, hey, what, what, "Why?" Why? And then my son walked into my room, and he went. You seen this stuff about friendly Geordies? And I went, yeah. The whole he went, no, no, no. You got to do something about it. Oh wow! <laughs> I looked at him and went, mate, I don't work for Asia or anyone like that anymore. I don't, I don't have any power. And he went, oh, don't be a dickhead. Nice. I went, I went, what? He went, don't be a dickhead. I don't expect you to do something about it. I just want you to talk about it. I oh. Went, oh, all right. So that's what we're doing today. Okay, let's unpack it. You're listening to I Spied, the lone actor of Australian intelligence. I'm just so lonely. You're not. You're, oh God! Can you stop? Just stop. Hello and welcome to I Spied. I'm Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're going to talk about something that maybe not everyone is fully across. So we need to really break it down. There is a person called Friendly Geordies. Friendly Geordies, who's a YouTuber. He's very political and some people say he's a Labor mouthpiece. Yes, though, I mean, I I watch him. I subscribe. I, I subscribe. Yes, he is very left wing, but he's also well. He's more centrist, really. Well, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. I yeah. don't think Labor's left wing. Let's not. They yeah. aren't that left. Well, I feel we, like there's no differentiation between the federal Labor and federal coalition. Well, coalition sort of moved to the right, which has dragged Labor to the centre. Yeah. But um, the whole thing with with friendly Geordies is he's basically a satirist. Yeah. But his satire has become more and more scathing, and he's also you call him an investigative journalist, particularly with the investigation and the journalism he's been doing on one Deputy Premier, John Barillaro. Yeah, so the Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillaro, and what they did was they went... To his home, um, specifically his one of his Airbnbs. His Airbnb up in the Southern Highlands. Yes. And then they did a video in there. Yes. And made love on his couch. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to Airbnb in your house, I feel like, and you're a politician, it's open for people to take. Exactly. So to be perfectly honest, what they did, I didn't see any problem with that. That was no. fine. And then they did another expose on a little country town. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Colorado or something that has basically had its water stolen. Yeah. And they, implicated that, you know, John Barillaro and certain National Party politicians may have something to do with it. And then they did an expose about how there was an Italian club in Queanbeyan, which is in John Barillaro's seat, Mm -hmm. and somehow... John Barillaro and I think uh, either a business associate or a family member or something, they somehow wound up with the club. I don't know. It all got very complicated and I'm watching that while trying to eat a bowl of pasta and read a book. So um, <laughs> I'm multi-skilled. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a multi-skilled And guy. I took nothing in. <laughs> but one of the things he kept doing was, A, he called John Barillaro bruh, which, you know, is pretty funny, and compared him to Mario from Mario Kart. So... Um, <laughs> John Barillaro took offence to this and decided to sue. Okay. Um, And then 
course, friendly Geordies, who's never backwards in coming forward, turned around and went, well, what are you suing me for? Because I haven't been served any papers. Yeah, right. right. So then they found a mistake on the papers that were eventually served. So the media had been informed of this lawsuit before friendly Geordies had, which is probably not the best way to do it. And then they found that there was a mistake in the papers and wanted to return the papers so they could be corrected and reserved. And then Christo, who is... Friendly Geordie's producer yes. just happened to be walking along behind Parliament House on his way from the Conservatorium of Music to home, wherever that is, and saw John Barillaro and went, oh, while I'm here, turned on the camera on his phone, walked up with the papers and went, you're suing my boss and there's a mistake, can you fix it? Well, that's when Christo basically put himself in the frame and wound up going, getting arrested a few days later. Yes. And what was the arrest for? Uh, two charges of stalking. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing about that. Really interesting point to make. The way they did it was stalking means the person being stalked is in fear of physical or mental harm. Right. Now, I can understand the mental harm. The physical harm, yeah, not but, so much. But anyone who knows John Barillaro recently, I feel like his trials and tribulations would have taken more of a mental tax than what's going on right now. The big thing was the way they did it was they arrested him at his home. Again, there's more video of that. Go on YouTube, you'll find it. They arrested him at his home. His dog got stepped on. His mum got knocked over. It was a it was an ugly scene. An ugly arrest. It was a really ugly scene. But it was the people who arrested him, the unit in the New South Wales Police Force, called the Fixated Persons Unit. The Fixated Persons Unit? Fixated Persons I've never unit. heard of this. The first time I saw Fixated Persons Unit, I went Pixelated Persons Unit. I went, what, they were what? arresting those people you can't see on television? <laughs> You squint, though. You can see them. Yeah, you squint really hard. Yeah. Um, it's like Japanese porn. You've got to squint really hard. Yeah. Uh, what? Why did I that up? I don't know. Well, you know, you go on the internet, you get sucked down into these wells of horror. Okay. Right. So, anyway, the Fixated Person Unit was formed in 2017 after the Lint Cafe. Okay. Right. Now, it was designed specifically, and I quote, to target lone actors. <laughs> Hello. I'm a lone actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lone good actors, not bad ones. <laughs> Thank you very much. I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> to target lone actors obsessed with public figures, ideologies and beliefs. Okay. Now, the big thing was they were focusing on non-terrorist subjects who threaten public officials. Now, this is a very interesting point. Since they said this has come out of the Lint Cafe, were the New South Wales police basically admitting that Lint Cafe was not a terrorist incident per se? Yes. It was a psychological break of a lone Actor. Even though we were told that it was a terrorist act. Well, at the time it had all the dressings of a terrorist act. And yes. we will we are definitely going to unpack the Link Cafe. I just want to give myself a bit of room and also take a deep breath because it's a really, really nasty story. And everyone has a personal experience. I know yes. you do. Yep. I do as well. Just the day was a weird day for it to happen. Now, the whole idea was they're after non-terrorists. Right. Right. So that's a really interesting point because basically if fixated persons unit, it does suggest stalkers. Yeah which are not necessarily terrorists. Now, on the flip of this, it will also proactively locate individuals vulnerable to become involved in this before it develops. Do you want me to unpack what that means? Yeah, so the, it, it means they're going to arrest you before you actually do anything. Uh-huh, right. Well, not arrest you. They're <laughs> going to put you on the list. You. They're going to yeah. detain you. Right, now what they use to do that is another little piece of, really clever little piece of mm. uh, policing finesse called the Suspect Targeting Management Plan 
or STMP for short. Okay. Now, that is a list of possible suspects regardless of criminal record. Okay. So if you are somebody they think might be a problem, they will target you. Now, that makes a lot of sense when you yeah. think about it. Ultimately, it, it does make sense. It's the way it does it. Now, interestingly enough, one guy got himself on the radar during the minute silence on Anzac Day. He was shouting anti-war protests. Right. Or have slogans. As soon as he did that, he was on the police radar and then he was put on the list. Okay. Right. Now, the guy hasn't done anything. There's nothing wrong with you to do that. Offensive, yes. Illegal, no. no. But the police basically looked at him and went, he might be trouble down the track. Okay. Let's keep an eye on him. Now, the problem with- I it have is- all kinds of problems with all of this. Anyway, Oh, yes. don't worry. It gets better. Yep. It also, the suspect targeting management plan also gives the police the ability to stop and search mm. and enter and search at any time. Right. Now, here this comes so bad. the problem. Yeah. Here comes the problem with I that. I mean, there's already so many problems with this, but yes. There was an account of a 14-year-old boy in a regional town in New South Wales who was stopped some 24, 25 times and searched by the police. Right. He hadn't done anything, but they regarded him as a suspect, so they decided to put the pressure on. A couple of other things that go really, really wrong with this is it overwhelmingly targets Indigenous people. Which is the majority of like a lot of our laws. Interesting enough, it's done through five local area. Commands. So it's like racial profiling. Well, but is- but instead of they take out the racial, they just call it profiling. But really, it's just racial yeah. profiling. Now the thing is, it works through different local area commands. One local area command is Redfern, right yeah. around the corner from us. And the thing is, what happened is in that area. The Indigenous population number is about 2%. Yes. Within the suspect targeting management plan, it's something around 30 to 40% of that targeting plan is directed at the Indigenous community. This is crazy. So it's a mad, mad little thing. Now, when I first started researching this, I said, well, you know, what's the problem here? Yes. You know, what is the big problem with targeting people that have the potential to become criminals? ASIO kind of do that with yes. intelligence, all right? So ASIO special powers. But are- ASIO does it on a bigger scale. Like they're doing it with people who actually could do some harm. I think stopping 14-year-old kids 24 times. Yeah. Now, but before we go any further, just to break down, ASIO special powers are enter and search, mm. uh, intercept and examine, so things like mail, install and monitor, so that's audio devices, yep. monitor and remotely access, that's monitoring phone conversations, remotely accessing computers, and question, the big one, question and detain. They can actually have you detained and question you for a period of time. Yeah. But every single one of those requires a warrant. Yeah. With the fixated persons unit and the subject targeting management plan. No warrant. Or suspect manager. No warrant is needed. This has now become a bit of a problem because if you look at something like the Friendly Geordies case and Christos, I'll be honest with you, I hate public stunts with a passion. Those those satirical groups, the chaser. You hate the chaser. No, 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 I don't That's hate That's very un-Australian. No, 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 no. That is very un-Australian. And you, you're friends with a lot of them. So and um, I've worked with them. Step and back, I've, step back, and step I, back. No, 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 before we get into further, <laughs> I've done some of their stunts and I feel dirty afterwards. Okay, okay. Because okay. a lot of the time the people that get framed in those stunts are not the people that they're trying to annoy. I understand. So, you know, I remember I had to walk into the ANZ Bank pretending to be a billionaire in Martin Place and I just looked at the look on the girl's face. She just saw the cameras and saw me and could see one of the chaser guys in the background and she just, her face just dropped. She was like, oh, I don't need this today. like, fuck off. And it's like, yeah, and I just, that was my reaction too. It was like, (laughs) fuck off me. I really was angry with myself. But, you know, what they have done with their stunts are quite brilliant. If you look at Craig Rucastle showing up in the Wentworth ballroom when John Howard won the election dressed as a card going, we played the race card and won. Yeah. The story behind that's hilarious because they're 
the luckiest bastards on the planet, the Chaser. What they did was they had a hotel room in the Wentworth Hotel mm. and they thought, we'll just catch the lift down to the lobby and try to get in. And what happened was they got in the lift and the lift stopped at the ballroom. Yeah. And they just thought, when camera's on, let's go, this is on. And they, of course, they got booted out, but they got the footage they wanted. My favourite was a couple of Liberal Party apparatchiks as you walked in going, we won, we played the race card. And they've got their beers going, yeah, we did it. And it's like, you idiots. The other one was the APEC stunt, which was hilarious. And, again, I know people that were on the other side of the fence at the time. In particular, I won't name them, but a long-time friend of the podcast, he was standing about – 10 feet from Kevin Rudd when somebody walked up and said, oh, the Canadian Prime Minister has just passed the cord and is on his way in, to which Kevin Rudd went, what, this Canadian Prime Minister? And pointed to the Canadian Prime Minister who was standing next to him with a cup of coffee. (laughs) And it was like that's when the balloon went up. And the chaser don't know how close they came to having crosshairs basically put on them because nobody knew who it was. But the way they did it was so simple. They made it, instead of doing a small, stupid stunt, they went all out, did a big one. Right. So, look, satire does, although, and a lot of these stunts, although you might not agree with them, you don't deserve to be arrested under some crazy powers that got passed because we were afraid of terrorists. Yes. Now, well, that's the thing. It's not a counter-terrorist law. I understand that, right. but that is what it, it was initially. No, 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 no. Some it kind of terrorism. Well, but it was spurred off a terrorism, what was classed as a terrorism Ter- act. Terrorist act. Right. So this is the big problem we've got. And it also leads to things like strip searches. Now, that's a huge thing. That's well, especially with like the underage strip searches mm. and music festivals. Yep. I have a real, real problem with strip searches because the percentage of people who are actually arrested from strip searches is so minute that it doesn't even warrant the police doing it. Exactly. Now, here's the thing with those, just a couple of stats again, because I love my stats. Basically, there's a thing called LEPRA, which is the Legal Enforcement Procedures and Responsibility Act. And this dictates what you can do. Right. right. It basically tells the police this is what you can do. According to the LEPRA, strip searches can only be conducted in the field when the seriousness and urgency of the circumstances make it necessary. So in the field? In the field. Right. Right. So they, can, is- they can't really go to his house and do it, can they? Well, yeah, they can. But the whole thing is a strip search can only be conducted when there is a dangerous situation going on. Right. Now, the fact that the police are now using sniffer dogs and going, the dog's sniffing that guy, strip search them. Mm. The problem with that is the hit to miss ratio for sniffer oh, dogs massive. is It's massive. It's massive. Right? Now, uh, since 2006, when they upped their game with strip searches, the figures vary between a 20-fold increase to just as little as a fo- like they it was brought up in an inquiry and also the things that, that we have to realize what they're catching people doing is so minute it's people mm. carrying drugs not people you know selling them um this is all for their own personal consumption and that's the majority of the reasons why they use them at now i have seen firsthand yep. what dogs and searchers have done yep. while being at Splendor in the Grass. Yep. One year I was entering and there was a teenage girl screaming and running away. The police jumped on her and she was frightened out of her mind and she would have probably not really had anything crazy on her but she was immediately scared and I know people out there are probably going to say well you know she was breaking the law but she's a teenager hello that's your job yeah and all and to see what how the police were treating these teenage children people who were in their early 20s late teens it was actually quite frightening and yeah. I was really upset by watching it now 
th- this is a really interesting point because I don't know, my experience with with sniffer dogs is at the cricket, which is quite funny because going into the cricket with some mates. What are they? What are they sniffing? Desperation. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> God, don't take it down to the dressing rooms. Yeah. Uh, what happened was we'd had a cheeky little joint on the way in. Oh, here we go. Because, <laughs> you know, you want, to, you want to sit there. It's cricket. You need something to keep the ennui away. Does weed really help? Uh, not really. No. no. But, you know, we just felt like it, so we did it, and then yeah. we walked in and there are a bank of sniffer dogs. Great. At the cricket. At the cricket. Crazy. And a friend of mine turned Crazy. around. Crazy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Paranoia went, sets in. Yeah. <laughs> Worst condition to be I know. In. And I just I went, you know, because I'm different, I went, hey, relax. No, I just went, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's just keep going. So we can't. We can't. And I went, yeah, we can. Just keep going. It's fine. Let's just go. And as we walked through, the dogs didn't react at all. No. But my friend was really, really sketchy. And one of the policemen went, what's your problem? And I just went, she's allergic to dogs. Anyway, oh, sorry, and pulled the dog away. Oh, that's really good. I think you've just given the tip of the day. Allergic allergic. to dogs. Dude, I'm allergic to dogs, (laughs) right? And I've smeared myself with with dog food. Now, the interesting thing was... The dog sniffing you is not enough. Is not enough reason for them to do a strip search. But they think they say it is. No, they don't. They say, oh, they were nervous. Right. Now, you know what? If I've got a dog going from a crutch, I'm going to be nervous too. Yeah. I'm going to look nervous. Now, the thing I found fascinating about it was when I went, friends, she's allergic to dogs, and we walked past the dogs, yeah. and we didn't so much as get a blink, Yeah. which also made me go, these dogs are not here sniffing for drugs. They're sniffing for weapons and explosives. Oh, Because you can't sense. teach a dog to sniff to- out two different oh, things. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. So that's why they didn't even balk when you guys went past- yeah. Smelling like, like weed. Smelling like 1974. I smell like the back of a Sandman panel man. I smell like my 20s. So the whole thing is yeah. like the police use your reaction as yeah. the kicker. Oh. So he wouldn't make eye contact with me. He was very sketchy. He put his – this is a classic for one of the yeah. suspect targeting management plans. One guy was strip searched in a park in Redfern in the middle of the night because the police stopped him. And as they stopped him, he put his hands in his pockets and they immediately went, right, empty your pockets, strip search. Wow. And it was like, what have I done? Yeah. But he was uh, he was a part of their target list. So with this whole back to the friendly Geordies thing, yep. the producer's arrested yep. and, and he there's, to, there's rumour that there is there's an arrest warrant out for friendly Geordies. I don't know. I, it gets so crazy with what's but going will, on But there. will these things stick? I think it's going to be really hard to make it stick. Yeah. But I don't think they want it to stick. I personally think it was probably a way of somebody going – Back off and back off now. And and in my head, this is very Trumpian. It's a very it's mm. it's something that you know we see in the recent well with Trump, yeah, where he would use his powers to arrest people that disagreed with him yeah, or mocked intimidate. him or intimidate. And I really have a huge problem with this. Oh, I have a massive problem with this. And I used to work for an organisation that sort of did this kind of thing on the sly, yeah. covertly. I mean, that's the difference. If you really want to watch somebody, watch do it them. covertly. Yeah, watch yeah, yeah. Them. But if you then start intimidating them, yes. What you're doing is you're actually creating a bigger problem. And another issue I have with this, particularly with the defamation against friendly Geordies, who's funding that? Taxpayers. Taxpayers are funding this vendetta that John Barillaro has against someone. I don't think the lawsuit would be. I think he'd have to use private funds for that. I, I don't mean, know about I know that. You, I know you can. Yeah, there is. You know, where does the money come from? Where does the money come but from? It seems to be a thing at the moment that a lot of politicians are suing a lot of people, and they're not doing well. No, right? Christian Porter, it fell over. The friendly. Well, is- to be honest, defamation is really hard to prove. 
not in Australia, it's not. There are certain boxes you have to tick. Yeah, there are certain boxes you have to yeah. tick. Now, I think personally the lawsuit by John Barillaro was kind of dangerous because if they go for the whole corruption thing, you know, you've accused me of corruption, how dare you? Friendly juries can go, well, we're going to use proof here. And then they everything goes into a court. Yeah, everything right. becomes more than just a YouTube video. They can say, here, here's the evidence that we've gathered. What are you going to do? So what are we learning out of this whole process? We're what learning- we're learning out of this whole process at the moment is be really careful at the moment if you're a satirist or <laughs> an ACA journalist. Yeah. Because ultimately if you hassle someone too much, they can turn around if they have the right connections. I think yeah. that's also very important to realise. And definitely put you in the frame. So you know what's interesting to me about this? What? That – We have, you know, the Deputy Premier not liking someone coming up and holding a phone in their face and, you know, using powers to get them arrested. And yet we have one woman dying at the hands of a man pretty much every day in Australia and can't even get ex-husbands who are harassing them, threatening their lives and threatening their children's lives to be arrested. And so what is wrong with the state of our politics and policy at the moment? That's the big question. And that's that to me, I'm, look, I'm the choir. You are preaching to the choir right yeah. now. The fact that we have a woman dying every week at the hands of a loved one or, you know, a, a, an ex-boyfriend, a, a, a jilted lover. And the most, terrific, really- the most terrific ways too, like just dousing someone in petrol and setting them on fire. And there were preludes to this. Mm-hmm. And yet the police seemingly cannot do anything. But if someone in power says, I didn't like the way that person is looking at me, we arrest them and charge them. That is the state of politics in Australia at the right. moment, I think, is I think we do have – I always find that conservative politics tends to politicise the legal system and the intelligence system. Mm. I mean, ASIO became – an arm of the Liberal Party through the 50s, 60s and 70s against communism. And yes, okay, the Soviet Union was a huge threat. But funnily enough, they also busted ASIO wide open, if history is to believe. Yeah. They had moles all through the place yeah. for a long, long time. So that was a major issue that was going on with ASIO is they basically went, we can target the Soviet Union. If we're targeting the Soviet Union, we can target the Communist Party. If we're mm. targeting the Communist Party, we can target the unions. The unions is welded to Labor. Yep. We can now go our political opponents through a circuitous route. We can literally make them jump through hoops. And I think that's one of the things that's going on is the police seem more and more enmeshed with the political side of it. Yes. And they shouldn't. They are a separate part of our political system or and, our government system. And from my perspective too, it's interesting that the New South Wales police seemingly have more powers in some areas than yeah. ASIO do. Well, they, I mean, law enforcement always will because right. essentially they've got to be able to react and react straight away. Where ASIO, it's a waiting game. It's a game that requires patience, which is probably why I wasn't very good at it. You've got to spend <laughs> a lot of time. Yep. And also you've got to be very patient and then in the end it turns around that Nothing happens. I've just finished the story of Kim Philby. I've just finished reading it. And my God, the screw-ups, simply because they just didn't do anything or just let it slide. Yeah. So that's the thing that you always got to look at with these kind of situations is the police do have to react, but it's getting very 1984 thought police at the moment with that idea of, well, we're going to watch you because you might be somebody that could be a problem maybe in the future. That I don't think is good police resource management. Well, it's kind of using the idea of fear to 
police something as opposed to evidence-based. Exactly. Now, the problem with fear is you get two responses from fear. Fight or flight. Right. Now, flight. if the flight response comes in, brilliant. That's exactly what yeah. we want. But if you get the fight response, you, you're you actually exacerbating your problem. And I think this is where we're at at the moment is particularly – I mean, the Friendly Geordies one is interesting because, you know what? I think he's just so frustrated and yeah. so annoyed John Barillaro yeah. that John Barillaro is going, do whatever, shut yeah. this guy up. The problem is, if you look at what Friendly's Daughter's reaction was, I think it was a Sunday video he released, it was basically like, you want to do this? Let's do this, right? They will fight this in court. And in court, it's not going to end well. For, I don't think it's going to well, end well for either party, but mm. I don't think it's a – it's not a good look for the New South Wales police to be arresting satirists because they're exposing political corruption or alleged I was going to say, we, we need to throw an alleged in there because there might not be any political corruption at all. No, no, there may not. <laughs> oh my god! And you are definitely straight down the middle with your political beliefs. Well, no, so- no, 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 no. Because uh, here's the thing: I, I and I know you, you think I'm a Bolshevik, and yeah. in a way, I, it's funny. Everybody else I know, as they get older, get more conservative. Yeah, they do, but you get more left wing, and it's really weird. Well, it's not left wing. I don't think it's left wing. It's like I, I would describe myself politically as a social democrat. I believe in justice, fair play, all that sort of stuff. I really, truly believe that. What I object to, like. I really didn't like the fact that you had people like Eddie Abede and those guys back in the New South Wales Labor Party that were just – I mean, it's they've gone through ICAP. Yeah. It's all been exposed. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing is it's like it's not that I don't like the left. It's not that I don't like the rights. I just really hate people who take advantage of their job. Also, we need a federal ICAC. Yeah. Roosevelt summed it up brilliantly. Okay. Right. Roosevelt – this is the quote that we'll finish Are we going to end on this? Yeah, we'll end okay. on this. Okay. Right? We'll end on Roosevelt. Roosevelt basically, it was Theodore, yes, Theodore Roosevelt basically turned around and said, if you see a man who gets rich in politics, you're looking at a crook. That's true. Yeah. I know. Yeah. What you going to do? 